Hello, everybody. June 18th, 12, 20, 10, 11, 12, 13. Here's the deal. This is the middle of the year. It's the sixth month. It's not the 15th. It's the 18th. But the concept is here. We've made it halfway through 2020. And you know what? We're pivoting right now. We're making the second half of this year fan freaking tastic. And here's how we're going to kick it off right now. We have two fantastic interviews coming to you in this mega podcast. I know you clicked into it. You said, whoa, what? (laughs) Over an hour and 30 minutes. What's going on here? Well, we're about to tell you what's going on here. And don't you dare skip this episode because you will be missing out. Pat, what are we kicking this off with here? So this guy, Coach Mike Young, get your popcorn ready. We are in the Mike Young era. Shout out John Rothstein. We're going to get you uh, a little Mike Young read-off. At some point this year on Twitter, Coach Young joined us for a little over an hour, and it was incredible. And one of the biggest highlights that he had said is we are ahead of schedule and could not agree more, but this magic carpet ride is just getting going. And uh, he draws some insights into the 2020 season and some new contributors and this and that and the other. So stay tuned for that. It was incredible. We had so many submissions for letter, uh, letters from the lunch pail and could not answer every single one. I think we would have been here for a couple hours just because Coach Young was giving us such good answers and in-depth answers. But uh, we, ch- we chose some of them, and uh, we'd love to have Coach Young and basketball staffers on in the future. So please hold on to those questions. We're holding on to them as well for future uh, podcasts. And uh, big shout-out. We got Father's Day coming up. On Sunday, Shout out, Dad. sons of fathers, fathers of Saturday, big time <laughs> initiatives there. But uh, in honor of Father's Day, we are going to be running a Father's Day Sons of Saturday discount. So head on over to sonsofsaturday.com and enter promo code Dads of Sat, D A D S O F S A T, Dads of Sat. 30% off your order there. So that's wow. going to be huge. And just, just to let everyone know, COVID-19 has slowed down production. So it will not arrive within, you know, 10 days like it usually will. So we got a lot of people staying patient. Really, really, really appreciate um, the outstanding orders out there that um, have not arrived yet. Um, appreciate your patience. Please send us an email or shoot us a Twitter DM if you have any questions about your orders. But we got, uh, we got cold drinks, waiting hats. We got cold drinks, waiting T-shirts. And by Sunday, or by the end of this episode, we are going to put up cold drinks, waiting crewnecks as well to honor this outstanding episode from Coach Young. So, Bill, who else did we bring on to this, uh, this episode here? Sons of Popcorn turns into Sons of Strikeouts. Ian Seymour joined us. He was just drafted in the second round by the Tampa Bay Rays, headed down to Florida. Uh, He was fantastic. A great representation of Virginia Tech. Completely transformed his game when he switched from a two-seam fastball to a four-seam fastball. Drafted by a Virginia Tech alum. You love to see that. He was unbelievable. Aside from that... There is so much we need to talk about. We got a commitment for football. Uh, We got a quarterback. He's from New Jersey. And look, normally we'd be on here touting the New Jersey flag, eating our Taylor ham, possibly eating some pizza, telling our man Cran Cam how much better pizza is up north. Well, listen, to go with the time and attention that that deserves, 
this weekend. We got cold drinks waiting. Our friend Matei Sis is going to make the drive down. We're going to have a meeting of the minds. Pat, Finn, Billy Ray Mitchell, Matei, and then Grayson is going to phone in from the West Coast. We're going to talk some football. And listen, we got a multitude of topics to discuss. We're going to discuss that on our Sunday pod. But also, there is a special guest a very special guest that's floating. We're not putting any promises out here, but just stay tuned. There may be a very important special guest joining us on Sunday. So cold drinks waiting and surprise waiting. So Pat, also just before we press play here with, 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 with uh, Mr. Cold Drinks waiting and let it fly, let it rip with our new sponsor. We got a new sponsor. We're, we're in the boat. Bill, would you say that this is breaking news? breaking news what do we got pat sports center brought to you by jack link's beef jerky feed your wild side this is not sports center this is sun center sons of saturday but we have a new sponsor john cranham dr john cranham dds aka john john cran the cran cam and also dr caitlin cranham dmd virginia tech class of 2016 and now recent grad of the University of Louisville School of Dentistry. Check them out. This is not your regular dental practice. The Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry is located in the Tidewater area, 757. If you reside there and need a general practice, come visit their amazing staff in their state-of-the-art facility and let them use all the latest technology to take great care of you. Additionally, They are taking extreme pride in going far beyond the recommended precautions to keep the team and the patients safe from COVID-19, which is extremely important right now. Now, if you are a person with a more complex dental problem, no matter where you live, John Cranham, Dr. John Cranham, Dr. Crancam does cosmetic dentistry, reconstructive dentistry, implant reconstructive rebuilds for bites. And patients literally fly in to see Dr. Cran. Coach, Coach Cranham, Dr. Cranham, he literally flies all over the world and teaches other dentists to do what he does. So this guy, he might be, you know, breaking down a jet sweep on Monday, but on Tuesday, he's doing an incredible surgery. We are so excited to have the Cranham's doctors join as our sponsors. So if you're in the need of some first-class toothery, simple or complex, give them a call, 757-465-8900, or visit their website at chesapeakecenterforcompletedentistry.com. And last but not least, and we got, we got discount codes, we got shout-out codes, we got promos all over the place. If you would like to have your teeth whitened, mention the Sons of Saturday, and you will get 50% off of Whoa. your vital, vital tooth bleaching service. So that that's huge, man. Sons of sons of dental, sons of white teeth. Sons of white teeth. Um, also, last little bit of breaking news. JC is joining Section 5. Welcome to Section 5, Cran Cam. It's a party over there. Um, he'll be there with, as Grayson would say, with bales on. He's going to be in Section 5. But without further ado, we're excited to have the Cranums on board. We're excited to announce them as our new sponsor. Definitely give them a check out. I could use some teeth bleaching myself. Um, but aside from that, we're going to let it fly with Coach uh, Young. 
And then we're going to roll into Coach Seymour, not Coach Seymour, Pitcher Seymour. And then uh, we got a big week for you coming up. Thank you guys so much and enjoy. Sons and daughters, welcome back to another episode, another interview. We are very, very excited for this one. We have the great coach Mike Young joining us on the Sons of Saturday. But first, we got to kick it off with a quick hokey haiku brought to you by the Main Street Pharmacy. This hokey haiku was submitted by Mike Q. Drees on Instagram. Thank you, Mike. Popcorn before games. Fans and players love the guy. Cold drinks are waiting. Coach <laughs> Young, welcome to the Sons of Saturday. Hello, man. Good to be on with you. I appreciate your work. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's going to be a lot of fun. So um, we'll, we'll kick things off first and foremost about you know the quarantine and everything. And want to understand how have you been going back and forth you know with with your players and with your new signees. Uh, during this quarantine? Have you had um, you know, a running dialogue with everyone? What's the communication been like with the, uh, the roster? Yeah, we're in touch with them. Uh, we're in touch with them all the time. Um, you know, it's just become so long, uh, you know, with uh, the Zoom calls. Uh, but, um, you know, in communication with them uh, uh, a lot, you know, multiple times each week and certainly the incoming kids and getting them uh, – you know, up to speed with, uh, with everything that they've got to, uh, concern themselves with and, you know, registering all the, the, the things that, uh, boxes that need to be checked prior to uh, their arrival. And we do think, uh, that, uh, we'll have them in here, you know, uh, probably early July and get, uh, get tested. And I, um, I, that probably be an emotional moment for me, you know, I mean, you guys recall, we played in the ACC tournament and um, we were on spring break. Our, our team disperses. Uh, we extend spring break and then, you know, everything went, uh, went crazy and uh, tournaments are canceled and schools uh, goes, goes online and, and so on. So, I mean, I haven't seen these guys since, uh, since early March. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we uh, do feel like, um, We'll have them back uh, early July, and, and that'll be a, a joyous occasion to get uh, to get those guys back here, and you know, uh, slowly, uh, very slowly, uh, to uh, see this place come to life again will be uh, will be great for all of us. And I think that's a great point. Just talking to some of the um, fellows that are on the football team, the closeness and the amount of time that you spend together. I mean, this is the longest that they've ever been apart, and probably would have never been apart this long. So uh, an emotional return for certainly everybody. I haven't seen anybody that I, uh, I work at software, so not the same closeness, but uh, I haven't seen anybody that I work with since before St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So um, that'll be great to get everybody back. But uh, I was doing a little deep dive on your career. Um, I knew of your success at Wofford, but what I didn't know is you actually went from assistant coach, your head coach, Richard Johnson got promoted to the uh, athletic director spot. And then you got even a more in-depth experience where you had the opportunity to coach division two, 
they went division one independence. Then they joined the Southern conference. Um, kind of walk me through that transition. I can't imagine stepping into a better situation than your former head coach being your athletic director. Yeah, that was, that uh, was good. Uh, you know, when he gave me my shot, he, uh, he hired me as a, you know, kid, uh, 25 years old. I didn't know anything. Um, but, um, he let me coach. He let me find my voice as a, uh, as a coach. He gave me a great deal of uh, latitude and, um, those were those were great years. We were Division Two when I uh, got there, eighty nine to about ninety six, and then um, you know our athletic director at the time is a great person, a great friend, Danny Morrison, uh, who later became the AD at TCU, and then the president of the Carolina Panthers. Danny's still a great friend to this day, and Danny informed us that we were uh, going to the Division One level, and. Um, it was a tough transition. Uh, it's it's brutal. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to uh, to anyone. Um, you know, uh, and then you know the shot in the arm. Maybe the maybe the greatest thing that happened to us is uh, Marshall left uh, for football reasons and went to the Conference USA, I think, and we took Marshall's place in the Southern. And you know, you're competing against the College of Charleston and Davidson, you know, really good programs. And it took us a bit uh, to uh, get our feet under us. Um, I think back to those days, the president at the time was the, the finest gentleman. He came to a couple of uh, our games here last year, still a great, great friend, Joe Ablissane. Um And, you know, a lot of times, fellas, I'll be very honest with you, a lot of times, you know, coaches that make that transition and, and guide that program through those turbulent times don't stick around very long. They lose their job. Uh, but, you know, at, uh, at that place, um, it was always about taking care of the kids and making it better. And we did that. And, you know, we stayed the course, hung in there, continued to get good kids. And then you wake up one day in 2009, 10, uh, a little bit before that. And, um, you know, you've got, uh, you've got a heck of a team. And, um, I felt proud, uh, you know, looking back, uh, at those, uh, at those years and what we were able to, uh, sustain, which is, is difficult at any level, certainly, uh, certainly that level and to win that league five times in 10 years. Um, it's a terrific league. It's getting better and better. Uh, basketball is getting better and better in that, uh, in that league. Uh, but, you know, guys, when it's all said and done, I will look back on those years. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would not trade it 30 years, man. I mean, 30 years in the same place, surrounded by great friends and um, a lot of great players that uh, that I uh, care for to this day. I still hear from them. I heard from three former players last night, as a matter of fact. Um you know, uh, a great period in uh, in my uh, life, and met my wife there. Our children were born in uh, in Spartanburg, but um, you know, fast forward to uh, last uh, spring in April, uh, in the opportunity to come home and uh, to do it here at Virginia Tech. You talking about a charmed life now, guys? I've lived a charmed life, and um, could not be happier uh, and more excited about. Uh, you know, being here and in, uh, in the future of our program. That's awesome. And and where I kind of first, you know, got a real glimpse in the world, kind of got a real glimpse of the program that you had built in Wofford, along with your assistant coaches and the players that came through there was 
that 2019 team was unbelievable. Uh, I remember uh, I was staying up late watching uh, watching SVP, and that's where I first saw that you were uh, going to be a quote a quotable coach. You said uh, you would uh, the seniors would frost the hind end of any young guys not uh, looking too much into it, but. 30 and five undefeated in conference play and 11 times you scored over 90 points, which was incredible. Um, It really looks like you had the team clicking on all cylinders. What would you say after all that time at Wofford, you were able to build there and, um, and how are we going to, how are we going to get that at Virginia tech? Um, You know, just day by day and getting a little bit better. uh, I don't care, you know, what, you know, athletic team you're you're talking about football, baseball, what whatever, you know it uh, it might be. Um, you know to wait you know, to, to to have a team like that, um, and the best guys. Uh, it was it was about coaching the team. All we want to do is coach the team. You don't want to be worried about you know issues in the community you don't want to be worried about guys missing class and not doing the things that they're supposed to do you know as citizens of of this um you know great uh, great place when you have the opportunity to uh to coach the team um and uh you know put them in position to win that's a that's a special group and that was a that was a really a, a special group um young man from Winchester a really really good post player big as a house and great hands. And, um, you know, the McGee kid from Orlando was, uh, was there's really a talented uh, person is uh, doing really well in Europe uh, now. And, um, you know, we had a little tiny point guard who was just tough as a rattlesnake and uh, just made big play after big play for us. You know, I just, I have oftentimes referenced it as a magic carpet ride. And it was um, guys that you uh, appreciate and admire uh, we were able to stay healthy. Um, uh, Kevin Aluma, who came with me uh, here to Virginia Tech, you know, really came into his own uh, as a uh, as a you know big forward. Kevin's I think more of a five than is uh, than he is a four, but his ability to to pass and catch and you know put him in different actions, he was uh, he was really really good uh, with. So we had we had it all. We had great depth. I played ten guys every night. I could play eleven. Uh, that's that's more difficult to do. I like doing that. I uh, hope to uh, be able to do that uh, here. But you know, fellas, it's about it's about building a program. It's about uh, you know um, things that uh, that that you're you you believe in. And you know, for me, it's always been about um, high character people that are skilled, that know how to play. That can sometimes be difficult to evaluate and. You know, an AU uh, basketball, high school basketball, uh, kids that um, love to play the game, that's that's important. That can be hard to evaluate. Every high school coach is going to tell you they love to play. But, um, you know, uh, they've got to be in that gym, um, you know, outside of their uh, class time and uh, their uh, their studies and, and working at it. And we're getting better and better in that regard uh, uh, here, at, uh, here at Tech and you know, that will, uh, that will continue to improve as we move along. So coach, I, uh, I love evaluating a good coaching tree and Christian Webster was on the 30 under 30 list recently put out a few months ago and Jay McCauley on the 40 under 40 list put out by ESPN 
and he's now the coach at Radford. So you left that program in a great place with him at the helm. Can you describe your relationship that you have with, uh, with coach Jay? Yeah. You know, I mean, he, uh, I, I think, I think I gave him his first job, uh, out of Georgia. Uh, he played for Dennis Felton, um, uh, down there. And, uh, I knew those guys, uh, well, and, um, um, you know, I, I, a lot of that's luck. I'd like to tell you that, and I, you know, I've got a real eye for talent in that regard. I don't, I mean, I'm going to hire good people that, uh, that, that aren't afraid to work. And, um, you know, I, I think I've had, I think I have five former assistants that are division one head coaches now, Jimmy Allen at uh, West Point, Mark Prosser at Western Carolina, Mike Boynton at Oklahoma State, um, Jay McCauley at uh, Wofford, Dustin Kearns at Appalachian State. There might be one more. Uh, I've just been, I've just been uh, incredibly blessed, fortunate to uh, have had the opportunity to, to attract, you know, high caliber folks that, uh, that know what, uh, what they're doing. They're passionate about it. They're passionate about, you know, the players that, uh, that we've had in, uh, in our, in our midst and, uh, you know, support them academically and they can coach their tails off and, you know, they have had their shot and, um, you know, we all want to have the opportunity to be head coaches. We all want to have the opportunity to run our own program and those guys, um, you know, have gotten their shot and uh, are doing quite uh, quite well with it. And I've had others. I've got, you know, guys here now. I think Christian Webster is going to be a really good head coach. I think Chester Frazier sooner rather than later is going to be a head coach, and he will be exceptional. Um, and uh, Kevin Giltner and others. So um, I think I think that goes back to my experience at, uh, at Wofford. I shared with you earlier the guy that I worked for gave me the opportunity to coach. Uh, and, um, you know, I was involved in, you know, in everything, I think that's important the, the recruiting piece, the scouting piece, the budget piece, um, you know, so when you, uh, slide over six inches to that, uh, head coach's chair, you know, it's, um, it's not, uh, so incredibly new to you and you're ready to, um, you're ready to move on and, and, um, you know, um, do the job, do the work. And uh, Jay is, uh, is off to a really good start. I'm proud of him and thank, uh, thank a lot of Jay McCall. He's uh, he's a good one. Yeah. And, and then arriving in Virginia tech uh, from Wofford, you walk in the door, coach young, welcome to Virginia tech. We're so excited to have you here. You're coming home. Uh, by the way, starting point guard is out the door. Med Hill is out the door. Uh, you're reshuffling the deck and, you look at the roster, you have four guys on the team and you have three in the transfer portal. And we talked to Coach Webster a little bit about this, but what was the order of operations for that? I mean, this is, you know, from all accounts, a dream come true. You're coming to a program, you're entering the best basketball conference in the country, and there's a lot of work to do in the short term. How did you handle all of that uh, upon joining, uh, joining the ranks here at Virginia Tech? I'm not real sure. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> – I'm thinking as you're uh, describing that, and I lived it, um, you know, um, I can remember sitting in that office my first night um, back in Southwest Virginia. I'm home. I'm coaching the Virginia Tech Hokies, man. Uh, absolutely, uh, you know, a dream come true. Um, and um, there's nothing in that office. It's blank. Uh, I'd have no one around me. Um, you know, in terms of uh, staff, uh, we've got uh, we've got 
we've got a hill to climb. Uh, but, you know, like, like, you know, as I said, building a program day by day and making each day, you know, hopefully um, a, a great one and uh, taking no shortcuts and making sure that, um, you know, I, I made, I made so many calls guys um, about our staff and then, you know, we've got to, um, you know, we've got to build a roster and there's a lot of, there's a lot of heartburn. There's a lot of um, nervousness in that uh, regards. You don't want to, for lack of a better expression, hamstring yourself, you know, down the line with, um, you know, too many in a, uh, in a particular class. Um, but, you know, guys, uh, 14 months later, and to look back uh, and to think, you know, where we were and where we are today and the people that we have in place and, you know, the uh, infusion of, uh, you know, uh, some really nice pieces in this incoming class. Um, I, honest to goodness, I could not feel better about it. Um, uh, we have not arrived. I can assure you that uh, we've still got a lot of work to do. Uh, are we ahead of schedule? I think probably we, we are a little bit. Um, but, you know, needless to say, I feel very, very, I feel a lot better going into year two than I did at this point uh, last year. Um, but, but again, uh, there's, uh, there's, you know, still mountains to climb and uh, we look forward to, uh, we look forward to those challenges. And those mountains cannot be summited without having a great staff, as you mentioned, and hiring Stephanie Boleyn as chief of staff. Now, um, I took Dr. Boleyn's sports management class. He taught it for uh, maybe one or two semesters back in 2016. And Mrs. Boleyn, Stephanie, spoke with us uh, at that time. She was the senior associate AD at Radford. What went into bringing her over from Radford? And uh, how has that had a positive impact so far? Um. You know, I've got stuff flying a thousand miles an hour, um, and I, I think I can share this with you. My cousin, uh, who's uh, I'm very close to, uh, is the athletic director at Radford University, and um, you know those pings on my phone and that phone ringing incessantly, and um, I just want you know a quiet place. I've got so much uh, to do. It was uh, it was day one. Uh, I talked to my cousin nearly every day. So when he called, you know, I, uh, I answered, uh, and he said, um, uh, you need to hire Stephanie, uh, as, um, you know, uh, in some, in some role. And, you know, uh, again, uh, just luck, uh, just, uh, a charmed, uh, life. Um, when we talked, when I spoke with, uh, Stephanie, um, you know, I mean, she had a lot going for, her, you know, in a, John being here and Stephanie played basketball here and loves Virginia Tech. Uh, she's a Hokie through and through. Um, and she said to me, uh, what I want to be able to do uh, is to take care of everything so that you and your staff uh, can essentially uh, be concerned with uh, coaching the team and recruiting. And um, I gave that some thought, and um, I uh, I think I said, you know, you're on. Let's go. You're uh, I'll I'll I, I like it. Uh, you're hired, 
And uh, Stephanie Boleyn has done exactly that. Um, she should be an athletic director someday. Uh, and she could do it anywhere. Uh, she is really smart. She is um, very organized. Uh, she is an incredibly hard worker. Um, and supporting our team and, uh, you know, so many roles. Um, I think I came up with the, uh, you know, the title of uh, chief of staff. She is the chief of staff and um, fulfills that uh, role uh, incredibly well. And I am so thankful that, uh, that she's here. Um, she thinks like a coach. She's, uh, she's great to, to run things by and, um, She's been a, 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 a tremendous asset, and I, I can't imagine uh, doing this without her. I, I don't think, you know, you guys uh, understand. I don't want to make more of it than, than is there, but it's a big operation. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving pieces. And um, someone as capable as her, someone as capable as, as, as she is, um, has proven to be I don't know. So help me, goodness, fellas. I don't know what uh, what what I would do without her. Uh, I am uh, I'm thankful she is uh, she's a part of our staff. Another home run hire, and the athletic department's done such an unbelievable job. We've talked about the job that uh, Mr. Babcock has done, and the assistants that we have hired, and um, that's a huge part to the success across our different programs. So um, a huge uh, hats off to her and everyone else that we've brought in. Um, and before we move on to 2020, I wanted to talk just about 2019. And the one thing that, you know, I always try to think of a word or something to summarize um, something. And, and resiliency was something that really stood out to me with this 2019 team. Um, you come in, inherit a bunch of uh, players that are unfamiliar with your system. Beating Clemson was awesome at the beginning of the season. I watched that game on an airplane. Beating Michigan State was unbelievable. Two incredible wins to start the season. But for me, the, the win that kind of just really excited me about the future was beating Clemson at the end of the year where, you know, we hit a little bit of a lull in the middle of the season. The Miami lost in three overtimes, the Duke lost, the UVA buzzer beater, and then Louisville. And then to come back home in front of the Castle Guard that's packed again and win that basketball game against a very talented Clemson basketball team. You know, what did that mean for the team? And how did you keep the team staying positive through that lull in the middle of the season? You know, I'd like to take some credit for it. I can't. Um, I, that, that team, you know, I'll reflect back uh, a long time from now when, you know, I, my uh, life's work is complete and I'm uh, over in the mountains of North Carolina fishing and, <laughs> I'll think back uh, with great admiration about uh, this 1920 team. Uh, and, you know, um, we had some great moments. Uh, I do think our lack of size and, you know, I was, I had to play out of necessity. I had to play some guys, some, uh, you know, a ton of minutes. And, you know, I think we wore down a bit as the, uh, as the, as the season progressed, um, you know, cat, uh, was out of the bag, um, you know, early in, you know, January, mid-January, you know, lat latter portion of uh, that, that the month, um, we were pretty one-dimensional. And I, um, as much as I admired the, the, the our team uh, and what um, what we uh, put together and, and how we play, you know, we're going to give us what what gives us the best opportunity to win. Um, wasn't comfortable with. Um, 
we'll always shoot a number of threes, fellas, but um, was not comfortable with how we we had to play. Um, you got to be able to get some easier baskets, and we uh, we had a hard time doing that. You got to be able to throw the ball into the post and uh, and get fouled um, and uh, put pressure on uh, on defenses. Um, you know, I thought we were I thought we were as good as we could be at that point. You know, I can't tell you how many times you've heard me say it. How many times during a timeout, you know, I am addressing our team and I'm looking at three freshmen. Um, that is, and those kids worked. Oh, they were they were awesome to uh, to coach and um, so thankful that they're here. And those guys are going to be really good players for us. They're going to be better this year with a year under their belt and bigger and stronger. Um, but, you know, uh, we, uh, we hit, uh, we hit, we hit, a, we hit a skid, um, but those guys continued to stay the course. Those guys, you know, hung in there every day. They would come to practice every day with the uh, mindset that, uh, that we're going to get uh, better, uh, great attitudes, uh, great teammates. Uh, they plugged. And uh, I think that's all you can ask, but, you know, as far as the Castle Guard, as far as our student body, you know that was a that was a real surprise for me. I'll be I'll be honest. Growing up in this uh, in this region, and I can remember, you know, Coach Moyer's teams and the great crowds in the Castle. Um, but my uh, my most re- now I've seen a number of games through the years on TV, but I hadn't been in the Castle since 2002 when when we won over there. Um, you know, a, a really a sparse crowd. I was absolutely blown away with uh, the enthusiasm, you know, throughout the year, the passion of, uh, you know, uh, the Blacksburg, you know, the state of Virginia, uh, Hokie fans that uh, that would fill that building night in, night out. And, um, you know, I am so thankful for our student body. Those guys are, uh, they've been so welcoming to me and uh, to see that student body, that section full night in, uh, just so cool. And, um, you know, that makes an incredible impression on kids that you have on campus. Um, that uh, that was something that uh, many remarked uh, on, uh, you know, during their uh, time here for, for games on unofficial visits, for official visits. Um, you know, we've got something going, uh, and uh, I'm excited about um, – uh, next year, I'm excited about uh, the future and um, seeing that grand old building continue to, uh, you know, be alive and and uh, you know people bouncing off uh, off the walls. I did you you referenced the Miami game, and I was nervous about that game. Nine o'clock on a weekday night, I, you oh, know, yeah. um, and I don't I I and once I go in an hour before game time, I don't come back out. I'm sick to my stomach. Um, and I just sit back there in that locker room and stew for a bit. And uh, uh, Coach Giltner came in. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I said, "How's it look?" He said, "Not very good." Uh, and this was twenty minutes twenty minutes before tip off, and uh, our team was coming back in for our last, you know, time that uh, that we would address them. And then uh, you know we roll out uh, just before tip off, and you uh, take a quick look around, and there it is. You know that thing is. Uh, bursting at the seams again. And I thought it was another spectacular night uh, in the, uh, in the castle. Again, I look forward to many, many, many more of those through the, uh, through the, through the coming years.
So this magic carpet ride, it's not slowing down. And we loved watching 2019 and the development as the season went on. But we're really excited for 2020 and beyond. And leadership is such an important thing for a team that is so young. What is it like having a guy like Wabisa Beatty, your buddy, uh, in the locker room and helping these young players develop and get accustomed to the collegiate basketball life? Well, I've said many times I, I, I was thankful that he was here. Um, and that was, uh, you know, that was helpful. Uh, Wabisa loves Virginia Tech. He, uh, he's been a, an integral part of this program uh, during his, uh, his time here. Um, he's a pleasure to talk to. Uh, he's a pleasure to run things by. He's smart. Uh, he's articulate. He's thoughtful. Um, and, um, you know, that was uh, uh, I'm thankful that, uh, that, that he was uh, here and, you know, his leadership inside that locker room. He's, he's, not a, he's not a natural leader. He's not real comfortable with it. He is becoming more and more comfortable. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, Wabisa had a good year for us, but uh, his character and um, he is a terrific teammate now uh, and just, uh, you know, one of those guys. He's about all the right things. He's a, a really a good student. It's important to him to finish his undergraduate degree this summer and begin his uh, work on his, on his master's degree. Um, and he's a real credit to uh, the Virginia Tech community. He's a real credit to, uh, to our basketball program. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, elated that I have the opportunity to coach him. I want to also, on that note, shout out the uh, SAS department. We've had a uh, – I know that I wouldn't have been able to graduate without Rindy and all of them up in the SAS department. I know the basketball players really appreciate everyone up there. So um, that's fantastic. Um, you know, uh, we work with uh, closely with Elise Sabila, and I uh, jokingly, but I'm not joking, I uh, reference her as the most valuable – uh, and the finest academic counselor in the country. And I firmly believe that, you know, uh, during her time here, our basketball program has been over 3.0 grade point average in the last four semesters. We had a 3.62 in this most recent semester. That is a credit to our team and uh, those kids. They got uh, the work to do. And, um, but Elise does a great job in keeping them on task. And uh, I'm, I'm very appreciative of, uh, of her. She's, a, she's an all-star. So, uh, sons of compliance, we don't want to ask you about specific players coming in because we don't know um, who exactly has signed or whatnot, but we'd love to hear about how you think the transfer portal is going to pos- positively impact this team um, you know, in this new era of college sports with the transfer portal. You, know, you lose three players, and that could be a big challenge, but what was your most important you know, gaining points out of the transfer portal that was not already fulfilled from this incoming 2020 class? Well, it's, um, it's, it's tricky, men. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, it's going to be interesting as we uh, move along here in the coming years to see how, you know, all of that, um, all of that shakes out. Uh, but we had the opportunity. I wanted to balance our classes a little bit more. I wanted to get older. Um, you guys are too young to remember George Allen. George Allen coached the Washington Redskins back in the early 70s, and he was – it talked about, you know, veteran leadership and veteran players and old guys, and I, uh, I'm, I'm a, a bit like that. Uh, to bring in 
you know, uh, three grad transfers uh, that uh, one has two years of eligibility remaining. And thanks for, for uh, you know, shying away from uh, names. Uh, we're still dotting some I's and crossing some T's and getting everything taken care of. But uh, we have young, one young man that uh, has two years of eligibility that I'm really excited about. Some length. He's a really good basketball player. Uh, we can do some things with him offensively that I'm comfortable with and and like doing. Um, you know, a point guard uh, from uh, from Kansas State that uh, was a really good player in that league and um, dynamic with the ball. You know, a basketball player, guys that uh, you know has professional aspirations and he should. He, uh, he should. And a young man from uh, from Iowa that you know was uh, eight and five as a freshman and. You know, this can happen in college athletics, can happen in football, can happen in, you know, in any uh, in any sport. He got stuck behind a great player, a big kid out there, Luca Garza, who I think was a first-team All-American. Um, and uh, he had uh, a year left to uh, compete, and I felt very good about uh, bringing him here. Fran McCaffrey, the head coach at Iowa, was a very good friend of mine from our time together in the Southern Conference. He was at UNC Greensboro during my time at uh, Wofford, and, uh, and Fran spoke very highly of, uh, of him. Um, so I, uh, I'm excited about that. And, you know, we uh, come also with uh, three, uh, you know, true freshmen that, um, uh, that, that are going to be really good players around here. Um, you know, a young man, um, you know, not just – I'm just reluctant to uh, to use names for obvious reasons. Again, um, a young man from uh, originally from the Netherlands played uh, his high school basketball here in the states, and just a bouncy uh, young person. David Jackson, our you know incredible uh, uh, athletic performance uh, coach, will uh, do wonders for uh, for for him, and he's a. a, a step out and shoot the basketball, uh, really athletic around the uh, rim, can move the ball and finish with, uh, with either hand. And um, Joe Bamisil, I can say, Joe's uh, – uh, everything is clear with him. Uh, you know, just a, a, you know, a very good po- uh, player from, uh, from Richmond. Played for a friend of mine uh, down there, R.J. Spellsberg, and uh, Darius Maddox from Washington, D.C., competed this past year for Steve Smith at, uh, at Oak Hill. You know, another kid that gives us more length in the backcourt and uh, can score the ball. So, you know, um, we don't have uh, uh, 11 guys to uh, or, or, or 15 guys to get up to speed, but uh, we do have, um, you know, some, you know, uh, guys that are coming in that, uh, that you know, we'll need these summer experiences. We'll have eight weeks for with them. Uh, prior to uh, the start of uh, the fall semester, to um, you know, get them uh, get them going, and and uh, I look forward to it. I'm really looking forward to uh, you know what uh, they bring to uh, our program. That's awesome, and I'm glad you mentioned Coach uh, David Jackson. He's a fantastic addition. Um, ran into him just <laughs> grabbing Chipotle. Got to talk to him. He's a extremely impressive individual. Uh, for those of you that don't know, he actually played at Virginia Tech under Bill Foster from 1994 to 1997. So it's great to have him back. Um, a question that uh, is inspired by a Grayson and uh Hokie fan bird page, fan page. Um, we spoke to coach Webster about the type of player you're looking for um, and the type of player that you're looking to bring into this program. My question is Pat and I are in sales. Recruiting is sales. I'm going to put on my Hooper Cape, pretend I'm, an awesome basketball player, and I'm visiting Virginia Tech. 
How would you describe your coaching style and your vision for Virginia Tech as you pitch the school to uh, potential prospects? Um, if you're looking for a world-class education, if you're looking for an unbelievable, an unbelievable uh, uh, college community, um, and the opportunity to play in the, the best basketball league college basketball has to offer, uh, this is it's a great spot. Um, you know, the uh, academic support, uh, nutrition, uh, nutritionist that, uh, that works with us, uh, strength and conditioning facilities, um, we have it all. And uh, I, I just think, guys, if we can get them to campus, we're hard to beat. Um, batting average through year one is, uh, is pretty good. Uh, it's an easy sell once you, uh, once you have them uh, here. I think Virginia Tech sells itself in a uh, in a lot of ways, and um, uh, we talk about uh, the, the 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 energy and passion of uh, of our fan base. Uh, to see a you know a Saturday afternoon football game in Lane Stadium, to see a game in Castle Coliseum. I mean, those are great experiences for uh, for young people. They're great experiences for all of us uh, and their parents. Uh, I know, I know their parents leave here thinking that my son can go to Virginia Tech and get uh, and have a, a, a great college experience. And I think that's what it's all about. And they know that they're going to be cared for and taken care of. Um, you know, what was the second part of your question? I'm sorry. Just your coaching style. I mean, I, I, from watching you coach, uh, and actually Mr. Bamisil mentioned this on the Hokie Hangover, you're much more of a teacher. A lot of col- a lot of other coaches across different levels are barking, and and it seems like whenever we get to see you on television, or Pat and I were at the Florida State game, you're more so taking the kid and, and explaining, hey, here's how we do things. Here's why this would be better. Um, and I think you're much more of a teacher than a barker. So what what would you describe hey, your coaching? Hey, listen, style? listen, guys. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to do it. Okay. Um, I had a, a great coach a long time ago when I first got into this thing in 1986. Um, and then uh, Danny Morrison, who I referenced, uh, the president of Carolina Panthers, he's retired now. He's teaching at uh, South Carolina in their graduate program. Um, when I became the head coach at, uh, at Wofford in, 19, in 2002, uh, he pulled me aside. He said, be yourself. Don't try to be anybody else. Uh, and I have never forgotten that. All right. And I am going to stay true to who I am. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not being critical of anyone. I'm not saying my, you know, how I'd go about it is, uh, is the, the best way, the only way I'm not saying that. Um, but I'm going to, um, I, I, um, you're not going to see me ever uh, rip somebody during the uh, during the course of the game. I don't think that's the time or the place. I don't want to. I'm never going to show a young person up. Um, I'm going to. Um, you know, uh, we might get after it down there a little bit in that practice facility now, uh, and that's uh, that's a part of it. But it's it's going to be respectful, and they're going to know when we leave that practice floor. They're gonna. There will ne- never be any doubt that Mike Young's on their side. Mike Young has my best interest at heart and uh, wants me to be, you know, uh, as good a basketball player as I uh, I can be. Um, you know, treat 
others the way you want to be treated. I don't want you uh, barking at me. Um, I've been barked at before now. Don't get me wrong. I needed to be uh, barked at. Uh, but I think there's a balance. Um, you know, uh, a spoonful of sugar goes a, a much longer way than a spoonful of vinegar. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there's times you got to clear your throat out and you got to, you know, get your point across. And I'm not afraid to do that. But, um, you know, you know, guys, I mean, you guys, you, you, you played football. Um, uh, we spend so much time together. Uh, we are practicing, and, and, and this has become almost a tw- – it has become a 12-month, you know, deal, college, uh, college athletics, certainly at, uh, at this level. Um, I think of the number of times they come into Hanhurst for, uh, for practice, for film study. Um, if those guys aren't excited about coming down here, we're, we're, we're missing something. And if that person is coming into that building thinking, you know, Mike Young is going to chew my rear end today because of something stu- I, 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 um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that uh, guy. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to have a good time with it. I love being around young people and I love uh, the opportunity to, uh, to do what I do. Um, and, uh, I'm, um, you know, very respectful of, uh, you know, my staff, my, uh, my team, my athletic trainer, uh, everyone. I just, I don't know any other way to do it, fellas, and I'm too far down the line to tra- change now. So what you see is what you get. That's fantastic. And, and you can see that in the body language of your players. And uh, I pre- appreciate that answer. Uh, my next, que- next question here for you is from an article that I read um, that came out a couple months ago. Um, and we've been talking to our guests about transitional skills and what makes up who they are today. Um, and by all accounts, um, your father was an incredible human being in the New River Valley area. Uh, he was a teacher, he was a principal, and he was a storyteller. I want to know what impact he's had on you and how you may have taken some of the lessons that you learned from him and how he approached his day as a teacher and a principal and applied that to coaching. You know, it's observing. Um, I've never thought of emulating my my dad. He'd be a great person to uh, to emulate. Um, but uh, to see how he treated people um, and how he interacted with uh, all walks of life. Um, you know, some of my dad's favorite people in the world were uh, the facility coordinators um, at uh, Dalton Intermediate School in uh, in Radford. Um, he loved ball. He loved, uh, he, he was a high school official uh, and he had such great admiration for uh, so many coaches in the area. Steve Ragsdale at, uh, at, uh, at Giles, Glenn, Glenn Carlock at uh, Graham High School. Uh, of course, my uncle, Norman Lineberg, uh, you know, won a gazillion games at Radford High School. My dad and uh, Uncle Norman's wife, Joanne, her brother and sister, um, you know, I miss him. Um, I, I, it's something every day I was with Christian yesterday and I was looking at something on his phone and the caller ID popped up dad. And I thought it's my dad. And I quickly, uh, you know, corrected myself and handed the phone to, uh, to Christian. But, um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I am, uh, uh, I, I was, we were together for a long time. He was an 83 year old man and, and, uh, and he was, uh, he was tired. 
Uh, but we had a lot of great experiences together and experiences that I will carry with me throughout my life. Uh, we would take a baseball trip every summer. My uh, father-in-law, my brother-in-law, uh, my son, uh, nephew, uh, you know, I mean, we did that every summer for a long time. Milwaukee, D.C., uh, uh, Wrigley Field, uh, Boston. Um, you know, I think back to those, uh, you know, those uh, those moments uh, and the big games that uh, that he would come to the Southern Conference Tournament. He loved coming to Asheville and uh, he loved that city. And, you know, we had uh, quite a bit of success up there through the years and uh, just great memories, guys, great memories. And I catch myself thinking about him uh, often. Um, I know he was proud of me. I know he was proud that I was the head coach at Virginia Tech. And uh, it was the last game, I'll never forget it, um, the Clemson game that, uh, that you referenced. And um, my team is going on to the floor for the jump ball. And I don't know, I wasn't uh, intentional, but I happened to glance over at uh, where my wife and my family sits down there in the corner. And my dad had struggled through the winter uh, and spent quite a bit of time uh, down in Roanoke at, uh, at the Carillion Clinic. And um, he was bound and determined. I mean, he was, he was determined. Uh, and I think he's got an oxygen um, you know, deal going uh, at, that, uh, at that game. And as the color guard is leaving the floor after the anthem, I made eye contact with him. And I threw up my hand. And uh, he did the same. I'll um, I'll never forget that. Cherish memories. Uh, he was a wow. he was a beautiful man. He was a beautiful man, uh, and um, you know we had uh, we had great fun together. You know, uh, my college roommate and one of my best friends in the world, Josh Little. Uh, he grew up in Radford, and he was actually a recipient of the 2009 uh, Robert Young Sportsmanship Award. Actually, his mother uh, Jamie played basketball uh, with Stephanie Boleyn at Virginia Tech. Um, so a very uh, cool tidbit to honor your father there. And um, so, you know, he, he was very influential on you. And as you look back on your career from playing days at Emory and Henry to Radford, Radford and Watt, excuse me, Radford and Wofford and now Virginia Tech, who are some of those super impactful people that you've come across in your time that have helped you along the way? Oh, there've been so many, so many, you know, and, you know, again, something we reflect back on uh, as you as you through your career, uh, and those that took time, those that cared about you, and those that um, you know helped uh, that uh, helped you know paved the way for you and gave you a pat on the back, uh, gave you a kick in the rear end, uh, and I needed some of those uh, as uh, as well. So many to, uh, I, and I I, I don't want to leave out anyone. I, I had the great fortune of playing for Fletcher Aird at Fork Union Military Academy. And coach has been retired in there for quite some time. Coach sent a gazillion kids to Virginia Tech. Uh, he had three children of his own, Fletch, Ben, and um, I just talked to uh, his daughter's husband, uh, Brooks Berry. I can't think of her name. I'm sorry. All three of his kids went to Virginia Tech. Uh, coach was a UVA graduate. His three kids went to Tech. Uh, he loved Virginia Tech. He, he thought the world of the coaches that came through here, Bill Foster, Coach Moyer, Frankie Allen, and uh, so on. He had a lot of players, I mean, great players. Some of the some of Virginia Tech's all-time great players, uh, both Jacksons, Al Young, Dale Solomon, um, 
Sean Smith. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Um, Fletcher Eric was, he's, uh, he's, he's um, struggling a little bit uh, right now, uh, but a beautiful man and uh, had just a, just a splendid year. Uh, Fork Union was tough now, 1981-82, but that experience and having the opportunity to play for him, uh, he is like a dad to me. And I've talked to him so many nights um, about, you know, a lot of things other than ball. And I was always so gracious with uh, with his time. Uh, I love uh, I love Fletcher Errett. Um, Bob Johnson, who I played for at Emory & Henry, uh, coach, uh, was great for me and uh, gave me the opportunity. He, hired, he gave me my first job in 1986, paid me a lot of money, paid me $5,000 in 1986. And I thought I had, uh, I thought I was a rich man. Um, coach was in my wedding. Uh, coach passed away five or six years ago. Um, but, um, you know, uh, just a great coach, um, a great person to learn from, uh, gave me my shot. And I will always be indebted to uh, to him and his family, uh, they're great, uh, great folks. Danny Morrison, uh, that uh, that I've mentioned, you know, again, guys, Mike Ayers, the football coach at Wofford for many, many years, who I still to this day think is one of the best five coaches there is in the world in any sport. Um, there have been a lot. I have, um, you know, uh, I've used the word luck a lot, but um, I do think that a lot of that is luck. I just uh, – the opportunity to come in contact with sound people, great people that um, want to see you do well. And um, I got a lot of people to thank. I know that. That's fantastic, Coach. As we we come down to our last two sections here, we're entering into rapid fire. Rapid fire are some questions that just first thing that comes to your mind, let us know know what it is, and then we'll move right along. It's brought to you by Sharkies. And, Coach, I'm – I'm uh, I'm wondering, have you ever been to Sharky's in Radford or Blacksburg? Of course I have. What's your favorite wing flavor at Sharky's? Uh, I'm a mild guy. That hot stuff burns me up. I don't like it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mild, mild wings from Sharky's. And what's, uh, Coach, what's your favorite book? Oh, gosh, I've read so many. Um, I've, I've, uh, I've read uh, a lot during this uh during this troubling uh, health crisis, I'm reading a terrific book now, The Vial and the something about um, uh, the uh, German invasion of, uh, of England and Churchill and uh, kind of behind the scenes, uh, Churchill's family and, and the lead up to, uh, to that was terrific. My favorite book of all time was a book by my favorite author, David McAuliffe, uh, a uh, book on um, uh, Lyndon Johnson. Uh, just a just a fabulous uh, book, um, but I've got a lot of them. Pat Conroy was uh, one of my favorite authors. Had the opportunity to be around uh, Pat uh, a number of times. He's a Citadel graduate. Um, Pat's uh, dead now, but a great person, great great a great writer. Fantastic. And then uh, obviously you love history. What about your favorite movie? Do you have a historic movie you like? What's your favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. That's the second our uh, interview just before Shawshank Redemption was number one. Not even close. Love it. Favorite opposing arena to let it fly. Um. Oh gosh, I hate going on the road. Favorite opposing <laughs> fa- a favorite opposing arena. Yes. Um. You know, um, I love the Smith Center, the history uh, there, and. 
uh, the uh, just uh, it's like walking into a, a museum. Um, a great, a great fan base. I would say the Smith Center. Gotcha. And what about pregame rituals or superstitions? Uh, you mentioned that you kind of like to isolate yourself a little bit before tip off. Do you have any superstitions or uh, traditions you do on game day? No, um, no I don't. I, I, I think I did at one time, but those things drive me crazy. And if I forget to do something, I think we're going to lose. I just, no, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mess with that stuff. I go out um, an hour and a half, uh, an hour and 20 before uh, game time. And I, uh, I have my little popcorn. I have a uh, Diet Coke. Yep. And I enjoy visiting with other staffs. I enjoy visiting with uh, kids from the other teams. And, um, you know, just um, a nervous wreck uh, just to get out of that locker room and, um, you know, see some folks and, uh, and visit a little bit. And in an hour, I go, uh, I go in the locker room and uh, I typically keep a, a staff member with me just to just to talk about, you know, anything. I you know, had the haze in the barn, if you will, in terms of preparation. And I know exactly you know, how I want things to play out. It doesn't always work out that way. But, um, you know, and then the team uh, starts coming in and, uh, and you, you know, you're, uh, you're getting, ready to, getting ready to roll. I'm not going to ask you who's the GOAT, but I am going to ask you, Mike Santa Maria inspired this question, who was your favorite? Out of uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron, or even Kobe Bryant? You know, I have people ask me that uh, from time to time, and and um, mine is Michael, all right? But, um, uh, you know, I think that is such a difficult let, – let's leave it at this. LeBron James is unbelievable. That is a six-foot, eight-inch, 250-pound man that uh, that moves like a gazelle, and – He's a, he's a he's an unbelievable basketball player. Kobe Bryant, you know, we saw him. Uh, we've had I had the opportunity to see, you know, much of uh, Michael's uh, career at North Carolina, and then with the uh, the Bulls. And you know, uh, we're living through a, a great era here with uh, LeBron uh, as he continues his career, and um, you know, so much fun following uh, Kobe through uh, high school at Lower Marion, and then being drafted by the Hornets. Traded uh, uh, draft night to uh, to the Lakers, and what a what a great uh, career he had. Uh, pros, pros, and uh, you know uh, I, I love reading about and listening to their work habits. I hear so many kids you know talk about wanting to play in the NBA, um, and I will quickly tell them, or make sure you got an NBA work ethic. Uh, those guys you know, had, uh, had it, uh, they had a lot, uh, great players and, you know, a lot of fun for all of us to watch. So we have a rapid fire quarantine edition. So just things that you've been getting involved with since you've been home. So first of all, sons of snacks, what have you been snacking on? Gosh, my wife has uh, kind of shut me down on the snacks. I, uh, always been a pork rind gal. I got, I'll pick up a yes. sack every now and then behind her back. Don't, don't tell her fellas. <laughs> sons of streaming services uh have you been binging any ozark or anything on netflix or hbo i i'm i am being completely honest when i tell you i have not we our family hasn't turned up our, my daughter watches uh, netflix on her computer i've turned the tv on five times during the uh, quarantine wow five times for the five episodes of the last dance i, I yes 
I, I friends honor. I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't done it. Uh, we had dinner together other, together every night, and that has been so much fun to share and laugh. And my daughter said recently, she's 20, she'll be 21 July 31st. She said, we haven't had dinner together this many times in my life. Uh, and we, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that's, that's enjoyable and, uh, great having those guys, uh, home. Um, but, uh, that's, that's about it. And, uh, you know, uh, we go down we make a bunch of phone calls. We read a little bit, we uh, wake up and go again the next day. That's right. So, uh, playlists, Apple music, Spotify, what kind of artists are on your playlists? I don't laugh at me guys. I, I, that, that stuff, my daughter makes fun of me. That's too complicated for me. <laughs> I listen to Pearl Jam. Okay. I listen to Bruce, oh, Springsteen. Okay. Listen to Bruce Springsteen. Yes. For, 25 years or as long as XM radio has been uh, in existence channel 20 on your radio dial, if you want to find it. And then, <laughs> you know, I'd always heard, I'd always had great friends uh, talk about Pearl Jam. I just thought it was a little harsh early in uh, early uh, back in the nineties and uh, 96, 97. But um, I don't know, four, five, six years ago, I started listening to them and, and I listened I li- and that that's, channel 22 on your radio dial. Um, that's all I'm listening to. And it's been that way for a, uh, for a long, long time. I haven't seen them live. I will. I was going to Baltimore actually, uh, if time allowed, I had, uh, I had tickets to see them in Baltimore in late March or early April, I think. Um, and then the pandemic, uh, but, um, those are, uh, that's my, uh, that's my band. Well, you got two huge Bruce fan, uh, Bruce fans on the interview right now. Both of us are recording from New Jersey, so uh, we've we've grown up with Bruce. We wish we grew up in the uh, in the seventies and eighties for that type of uh, type of rock and roll. Um, Sons of Enablement. How have you personally been developing yourself outside of you know your current role as head coach of the Hokies? Yeah, just just a a lot of uh, reading. Uh, Atomic Habits. I I, uh, I enjoyed uh, a great great deal. Uh, what goes into uh, uh, making a great team? Those types of things. You know, I just I I enjoy film, uh, watching others play, and we've had a lot of opportunity to uh, to do that and learning from uh, from others. And I typically take a couple of programs. Um, whether it be Belmont with uh, Rick Bird, Bob McKillop, uh, Davidson, um, you know, and a lot of others through the uh, through the years, and we're not looking, we're not going to reinvent the wheel here. We're not going to change dramatically what we're doing, but uh, you know, I think anytime we can take uh, a little something from others, uh, that is uh, that is healthy. I've always thoroughly enjoyed watching the NBA playoffs, and I love it. Those first rounds when there's like eight games on every night. Um, that is, uh, that is, you know, so much fun. The NBA game is different from the uh, college game, but there are some similarities as, uh, as well. And have taken a great deal from, uh, from the NBA people through the years. So, uh, Billy and I played a round of golf with John Laser a couple months back. And, uh, he told us that you're not much of a golfer. So, uh, you know, as far as exercise goes, are you getting shots about the gym? You playing tennis? Are you a runner, walker, swimming? What's kind of your main way of getting active? As if you saw me right now, you'd know right away I was not a runner. I'm not <laughs> a runner. I uh, I walk most every day with uh, John Belen and Coach Beamer, and um, that is uh, that that's great fun and to hear those stories and 
you know, former players and uh, those stories in the Sugar Bowl and um, that uh, that's enjoyable. I do walk a lot. I uh, I enjoy uh, I enjoy uh, doing that. And um, you know, when things break loose here and uh, we get David, uh, you know, in the building, uh, I will uh, I will uh, begin uh, working out with uh, him more. I need it, guys. I need it badly. So, Coach, we really appreciate you giving us your time, and uh, I know we've been running for a while now. Uh, if you do have a couple more minutes, we do have some fan-submitted questions to take us home. Is that okay? Yeah, let's go real quick. All right, sweet. So we're going to jump into letters from the lunch pail, but breaking news for Coach Young and for all basketball-related questions. We are now dubbing this Letters from the Popcorn Bucket, brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy, the best pharmacy out there. So. Um, I wanted to ask, I've read Coach Beamer's book, and I think it's incredible. Actually, I know he has two books, but I read uh, Let Me Be Frank uh, multiple times here, and I think it's incredible that you've built a relationship with him. And two themes that really stuck out in his book are take care of the little things and the big things will come. And also, you know, things will always work out if you treat people the right way. And I see a lot of that, um, you know, drawing parallels to you and your coaching habits if you were to write an autobiography or a biography, you know, what would you think are some themes that would stand out right away? I wouldn't want to replicate coaches' ideas, but I could not agree more with, uh, with what, you know, he, uh, he presented. Um, you better take care of the little things. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, guys, uh, what a uh, – what an unbelievable coach. What an unbelievable person. Um, it's a treasured uh, possession of mine. It was a month ago we were walking and uh, uh, Mr. Blinn said something about his book. And I said, I, I, I don't have one. The next day I had a copy on my desk and he wrote a little note inside. Um, and I, uh, so appreciative. I have not, I'm, I'm going to read uh, let me be frank after uh, the book I'm currently uh, reading. I'll look forward to that. Uh, but, you know, uh, treating people the right way, uh, no matter who they are, uh, where you come in contact with them. Uh, you know, again, I said it earlier, fellas, I don't know how to do it any other way. And too far down the road to change now. So uh, a question that was submitted by Bryce Chalkley and Karsten, what is your favorite cold drink? Ice water. You got too many. You got too many. You got. Um, we might have. We might have some folks on here that would take exception to any other answer. Uh, ice water or Dr Pepper. I'm still a Dr right. Pepper fan. Okay. Riley Wyant um, submits. A lot of student broadcasters think you're fantastic, not only as a coach but as a person for the way that you interact with the media in a more respectful and fun way than most coaches in this world may. Um, she says, at the end of the day, I know it's your priority to coach this team, but do you see yourself being more open to interviews with aspiring student broadcasters and helping them to get more experiences and opportunities covering men's basketball than they may have previously had? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, again, I'm not saying my way is the right way. I'm not saying, you know, however, you know, whoever else does it some, a different way. Well, that's their, that's their choice. Um, I was a young coach once, seems like a couple years ago. It was a long, long time ago. And I had a number of uh, coaches that had been in the business for a long time and took me under their wing and, and helped me. Uh, I am 
and will always be respectful of uh, any young person that is uh, beginning and may be a little nervous and a little unsure of themselves. I was a little nervous and a little unsure of myself as a 22-year-old kid at Emory & Henry coaching the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. So, you know, don't take yourself too seriously, fellas. All right? Uh, we're, we're, we're all on the same team here. Uh, those uh, young people as reporters have a job to do. Uh, they are trying to uh, break into, you know, uh, you know, print media, uh, whatever, you know, platform that they may be, uh, you know, working uh, for. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to be as respectful to them as I am to you, as I am to anybody else uh, that, uh, that I come in contact that, uh, that has something to do with the media. Al Jones says, would Coach Young like to see any changes to Castle Coliseum and or its atmosphere? Side note, we did offer as the Sons of Saturday as a unit to power wash the roof and the columns. Um, fellas, I love Castle Coliseum. Uh, I, I never want to leave Castle Coliseum. Um, I don't. Uh, do we need, uh, you know, in time to, uh, to make some improvements? We do. I do know that, uh, that, that there are people uh, here that are working very hard to, uh, to make that, uh, you know, a, a, you know a reality in time. Uh, but, guys, I get such a charge uh, walking into that uh, place and, you know, the memories that uh, I have uh, as a kid, uh, you know, watching games in there and to, to be coaching in a castle is, uh, is, uh, is, is awesome. Uh, I think, I, I know it is, as I've had opposing coaches tell me in our league, uh, what a difficult place it is for opposing teams to come in and, uh, and win. Um, and uh, that, that, that's, that could be hard to, to replicate. I think, um, I don't want to get too involved here. I think uh, North Carolina would tell you that, you know, back in the seventies, I think they moved into the Smith center in 86. I think Carmichael auditorium was brutal. That was a really a hard place uh, to win. And they were really good too with uh, coach Smith's teams. Um, but I think they uh, felt like they, that was somewhat diluted with a bigger facility and uh, the seating um, arrangement was, uh, was, was, you know, disrupted. Um, so, you know, we will make, uh, we will make, you know, necessary changes in time. Uh, you know, everybody has their plate full right now with uh, what we are living through. Uh, so uh, we'll get it right. But uh, I'm, uh, I am, will continue to be, will always be a fan of Castle. Mark Smucker and Grady Baker asked this question kind of along similar lines. Um, what rule change over your career has had the biggest impact of the game of college basketball? Um, gosh, that's a great question. Uh, the shot clock, you know, uh, when I got into coaching, there wasn't a shot clock and then we had a 45 and then we had a 35. Um, you know, and now it's a, it, uh, it's at 30. I, uh, that's been a, I think a, a good, a good change, a healthy change. Um, uh, you know, three-point arc. When I got into coaching, there wasn't a three-point arc, and it started at about 17 feet. You guys may not remember that. Uh, and now, you know, it's uh, it's at the uh, it's at the international line. I think it's the international line, which I think is I I, I didn't notice a big change. Uh, that's been a that's been a change to the game. I think a I think a good change for the game. Um, 
you know, so those would be the two that came to mind first. Gotcha. And coach, last question we have submitted here before we wrap it up. Uh, we got multiple submissions on the of different popcorn variations. I just want to know where did that tradition start and who has the best popcorn aside from Castle Coliseum, obviously. I don't know. I don't know. I've been doing it a long, long time. Again, you know, I, I'm nervous. Um, I don't project that, but I, uh, I just, uh, to see some other people and uh, eat uh, eat a little popcorn, uh, drink a you know a soft drink, and um, get my mind off it uh, a little bit. Uh, but Boston College had uh, great popcorn. It it became such a it was a, such a joke. I went to Duke, and we walk into camera. I go up to the coach's locker room, and uh, their uh, administrative assistant is waiting at the door. Nice young lady, I forget her name. Nice young lady. She's got you know, popcorn and, uh, and a soft drink, uh, waiting on me. I had that happen a couple of times. Uh, you know, uh, just something that, uh, that I, uh, that I do. I told, I've told several people I did it for years at Wofford. Nobody cared. I come to Virginia tech and it uh, became a thing. Uh, so, you know, just what I've done. Coach, I want to thank you. This has been absolutely unbelievable. And, and on a side note, I just want to thank you for being an incredible ambassador, uh, for Virginia tech. Um, just one example, we had uh, Taylor Kasky from the women's lacrosse team came on here uh, and she tweeted, the first time I met Coach Young last summer, I was lifting and he walked in and went out of his way to talk to me and say, I've never seen a lacrosse game, but that's going to change this year. And um, I feel like you can just bring a lot out of the talent with a personality like this. It's a small gesture, probably doesn't remember it, but for all of that, uh, he's in it for the long haul and I'm here for it. And that's just one example of the uh, of just how you've carried yourself in this community, and we can't thank you enough for that, and we're so excited to see what you build here in Blacksburg. Appreciate you guys having me on. Great questions. I admire you. Anything I can do to help, uh, let me know. I, uh, I am a Hokie, and will be for a long, long time, and I look forward to it. Coach, love your hat. I love my hat. Thanks, guys. Best wishes. <laughs> Take, Take care, care, Coach. coach. All right, everybody, hope you enjoyed that uh, sit-down with Coach Mike Young from the basketball program. I really enjoyed it. Uh, And I got to say, huge shout-out to our athletic department. And we've said it before, uh, Mr. Mr. Babcock does a fantastic job. Uh, Really excited about the future of the basketball program and uh, just a slam-dunk hire and just uh, his charisma and – the love that he has for Virginia Tech is fantastic. So before we get into Ian Seymour here, just wanted to take a second, remind you all, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. We've been loving the engagement across those different platforms. Um, take the time, check it out, get to submit some questions that we can ask players, future uh, players, alumni, coaches, whoever comes on the Sons of Saturday, and also... I'm hopping on here. A little bit of breaking news. If you haven't seen it yet, we will be joined by Mr. Bullock, our latest quarterback commit. Uh, He will be coming on the podcast on Friday. So really excited about that. Look for that on Sunday's podcast. That was a surprise guest. Had to get on here and break that news as well. So Taj Bullock coming on the podcast along with Matei on Sunday as well. And we have some more interviews coming down the line that'll be really exciting. But without further ado, here is Ian Seymour. 
sons and daughters. Thank you for joining us. We got you with another hot interview off the press here with Mr. Ian Seymour, a recent MLB draftee to the Tampa Bay Rays. But first, we got to give our appropriate shout outs to the Main Street Pharmacy and we got to do a hokey haiku. So hang on real quick. Main Street Farm, the best pharmacy in the New River Valley, the best pharmacy in America? I don't know. I haven't seen a better pharmacy out there. Dr. Jeremy Counts, he has all of your COVID-19 necessities. They got all your trinkets over there. You need a prescription filled. They got you covered. You just want to talk to a nice guy who loves the Hokies and hates Matt Ryan? Go into the Main Street Pharmacy. It's on Main Street. It's a pharmacy. They got an awesome staff, a friendly staff. We'll greet you with some of the biggest smiles out there. Shout out John Cranham. And uh, so get on down there. Here is our Hokey Haiku. Submitted by Hokey Bird fan page. Seymour to the Rays. Tampa's future Southpaw ace. MLB Hokey. All right. Solid haiku. Hokey Bird fan page. Fantastic. I didn't even know the Hokey Bird had a fan page. So shout out to that. Shout out to you. Fantastic Hokey haiku. But we are joined by Ian Seymour, one of the Northeast's most famous individuals. He is a Southpaw pitcher from St. John's High School in Westboro, Massachusetts. He came to Virginia Tech in 2016. An incredible 2020 with 40 strikeouts in 20 and one-third innings. 2.21 2.21 ERA and a 3-0 record in the shortened season. Ian Seymour, stud, thanks for joining us. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. So, uh, so Ian, thanks for coming on, man. First question right off the bat. We talk about hokey ball. A lot of Massachusetts talent comes to Virginia Tech, and the Massachusetts area has so many MLB players. They got a ton of prospects, and quite frankly, they have a ton of legends as well. Uh, who are some of them that have influenced you over the course of your playing career? Well, I, I got to give a shout out to Packy Naughton here. Um, I met him my freshman year. He had just gotten drafted, um, and he sort of took me under his wing when he was back taking classes that fall. Um, now me and Packy, we talk pretty much every day just about baseball, life, everything. I'd say he's definitely a big influence from Massachusetts, uh, especially on my baseball career, for sure. Did you play any other sports growing up? Was it always baseball? When did you specialize in baseball? Um, yeah, so I, I played basketball my whole like elementary school, middle school, but I was terrible. So uh, <laughs> pretty much I played rec league in high school for a couple of years, and then I, I scrapped that. Been playing baseball my whole life, pretty much. It was the main focus. And transitioning to Virginia Tech, you know, we know Virginia Tech is a great place, and we've really seen over the last few years why it's an attractive place to play college ball. Uh, Mr. Babcock has put in a ton of money to the program with the stadium, with the facilities, sons of beer at the ballpark. That's pretty awesome. But uh, what what made you want to continue your playing career at Virginia Tech? Yeah, so I was actually recruited under the old coaches, uh, Mason. Um, and he, he got a ton of guys up from New England, area, like Packy, Joe Friday, all those dudes. Um, so I was recruited under him, and my visit was the Ohio State Monday night game, I think was oh, late. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they, I got to go to the Brad Paisley concert the night before. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
And <laughs> I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I mean, all, all my other visits up to that point, I didn't get to do anything like that. It was just sort of this feeling of like, I wanted to be at the school. And from an academic standpoint, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time. And it just had so many options and areas I was interested in that. I mean, it was, it was the perfect fit for me. And especially just they were they were putting all the resources into baseball with the new stadium, with all the new facilities. Uh, and it just, it, it couldn't have worked out more perfectly. So very similar to my experience with football, um, I had both the experience of the tail end of Coach uh, Beamer's career into Coach Fuente. Talk to us a little bit about the transition from Coach Mason into Coach Chef how you navigated that, what's different, and uh, kind of the trajectory of this program. Yeah, well, I, I never played for Mason, so I, my, first oh, okay. year, my first year was Chef's first year. So okay. uh, I actually um, – they old coaches got fired the day I graduated high school. Uh, so then I got like a phone call, and it was like, yeah, they're, they're not there anymore. But um, the pitching coach now, Fecto, he used to coach at Bryant which is up in Rhode Island up here. So I was familiar with him and uh, they reached out once they took the job and were like, we want you to stay. Cause a lot of times when they get a new coaching staff, like they'll, they'll get rid of a lot of guys, but they reached out to me and they're like, we want you here. So uh, there was no re- need for me to change or anything like that. It was perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. When I was being uh, recruited to tech, I had Jeff, Jeff Grimes who eventually left to go to um, LSU. And there was never like a moment where, you know, coach Mason had left. You committed more so to the school than the coach. There was no you know, yeah. thought process of going somewhere else. Okay. Sure. Gotcha. So then the Cape Cod league, Packy Naughton, Kit Sheets, Joe Friday, Aaron McGarity, you know, ho- tons of Hokies playing the Cape Cod league. And yeah. uh, the connection with Virginia tech has, obviously been extremely fruitful, but you had a little bit of a unique experience there for you. Um, the majority of your career, obviously the changeup is your go-to pitch and you were pitching a two seam fastball for the majority of your baseball career. And in the Cape Cod league, your coach, uh, Christian wonders, you were able to develop a four seam fastball that really kind of transcended your career. Talk to us a little bit about how that came about and what the four seam fastball has done for you as a pitcher. Yeah, so it was it was pretty funny. We, it was, we didn't go in intending to change anything, really. We were just working on some mechanical thing. And he just said, throw a four seam just to, like, feel your back hip coming. I, I don't even remember what mechanical thing we were working on at this point. Mm-hmm. But I just started ripping them towards him. And uh, there's this thing called ride on your fastball, and it's basically um, how much it stays on plane because gravity is going to take the ball down. So if you spin it in a way that it stays on plane and doesn't, it fights against the effects of gravity hitters will swing underneath the ball. And, um, that I was able to like, for some reason, I'm just like naturally very good at being able to keep that plane when I throw the pitch. So I'll get a lot of swings and misses under my fastball and it just creates such a differential between my other pitches that, uh, it's a lot harder for hitters to pick up. And we just like stumbled upon that on accident. And then it was like confirmed by all the data stuff. So we hired, a uh, this dude, Sarah, Kyle Sarah's in it at school. And he basically like, he looks at all of um, the metrics on your pitches and is like, all right, this is elite. Like you want to throw this pitch more often because it's going to generate more swings and misses. Same with like, if you throw another pitch, that's not as good and doesn't have very good movement characteristics. He's like, all right, we're going to stay away from this pitch. So I think a lot of those things just combine to make me have a lot more success this year. When you were, or just as baseball has shifted to such an analytical way of looking at it. 
and pitching is such a refined, you have to refine very small movements. What are some of the training sessions or different things that you look at as you're going through your mechanics or as you're looking to add a new pitch? How, what is that process like for someone that's has no idea about that? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a daily thing. So every day you're working on, um, different ways, tinkering with different things to get a ball to move more the way you want it to, to throw harder. So, I mean, there's no, it's kind of a loaded question. There's no one way to um, like develop a new pitch or to fix your mechanics the way you throw on a certain day. It's more like a combination of mobility, strength training, uh, throwing programs, just repetition on uh, throwing a pitch and finding the right grip that works for you and how that comes off your fingertips. Um, we have those, a, lot, a big thing is using the slow motion cameras to see how the ball comes off your fingers. Um, I think that stuff is just super cool. I would sit a lot of times and talk to Sarazen and talk to Vecto just about um, all different stuff like that. I'd watch all the other guys on our team throw and stuff just because I, I think that stuff's super interesting. And obviously you had one hell of an off season. You came into this year, really had it rolling in the NCAA as a whole, you finished the as a whole you finished the year ranked in six categories, fourth in strikeouts per nine innings, top twenty five in both strikeouts and wins. I was actually able to see you in action for one of your best starts, where you broke a school record striking out fourteen through sixth innings and a W at Georgia Tech. It was a little bit of a cold day, but talk to me a little bit about what that's like. This whole season, pretty much, you were really, you know, had a great stride. What do you think you were able to find this year that? got you off to that hot start there and really had command throughout the entire shortened season. Yeah, I think it's more just a, a confidence thing. And obviously I switched to that four seam fastball. I, I developed, I mean, coming into my freshman year, I threw like a changeup in a pretty below average fastball. So, I mean, adding um, strength, adding mobility, adding like refined mechanics across three years and just like developing a process week to week between starts. That was the biggest thing. Um, like my freshman year, I would just sort of roll out there every week and hope for the best. And this year I had it down. Basically, like I was eating this every day, like for breakfast, lunch and dinner. I was eating the same thing. I was working out. Um, so if I start with Sunday, I work out Monday, Tuesday, mobility day, Wednesday, work out Thursday, Friday, uh, mobility day, Saturday, start again Sunday. Um, I had my throwing down to like what number of throws I would do in a bullpen on each certain day. Just like developing those processes just gave me like the, the confidence, I guess, to go out there and know I'd done everything possible. Um, just go have fun and compete. And then we talked to MC and Taylor earlier in the year, right when MC and Taylor Kasky from uh, lacrosse, yeah. we talked to them a little earlier about, you know, how the entire season came to an end and how everything else kind of conspired. How did it play out for baseball? Where were you? How did you find out the news? Um, kind of walk us through those uh, table of events. Oh, it sucked. Well, it was like, for me especially, it was a roller coaster because the day before they announced class was online. So I was like, this is the best thing ever. Like yeah. class was online. We're basically just professional baseball players who got to log into class. <laughs> once a week. Um so I was pumped about that. And then we were all like, yeah, no class. Like we can just go to the field, crush our work. It's going to be awesome. The rest of this year is like a dream come true. And, um, and then we get there the next day and they're like, yeah, by the way, the season's canceled too. And we're like, oh, you're kidding. It was just, it happened so fast. We were supposed to play Miami at home. And the, like, if you looked ahead at the weather, it was going to be like the nicest weather it had been in Blacksburg the whole spring. 
So we were pumped for that. Miami was really good this year. So, I mean, if we could have taken a series at home from them, it would have been a pretty big statement from us. And, um, yeah, just like that, boom. So then how did you adjust to to that? So obviously the season's over. You still have, you know, at that time, a potential in being a very high draft pick. How did you transition from, okay, my routine is built into what I'm doing, the whole team is doing it, to, okay, I need to take control of my career. I need to take control of my schedule. How did you, how did you do that once the season did come to an end? Yeah, so um, the past three off-seasons, uh, I just came up with a sort of like a, a workout plan, throwing plan that I would do. And so I basically just went into off-season mode in terms of my strength training days, sprint days, all mobility stuff. And then I would just throw bullpens and every Friday we would I'd throw bullpens Mondays and Fridays. And every Friday was like the game day. And I would just throw an inning and pretend like I was coming after someone. And that was the way I would like maintain a competitive sort of edge and try to get better. And what, and what has been your, what was your schedule? Cause I remember each time I came to Blacksburg, you had throw days, workout days, Chipotle bowl every day. What walk us through like your typical day. Yeah, I actually cut out Chipotle. I, I ate Chipotle every day. I remember that. I ate Chipotle every day for like three years. And I, one day I was like, this can't be good for me. I'm, I'm just going to cut it out cold turkey. So I'm, I'm like, I've had Chipotle once in the last month and a half. So doing pretty well. That's a pretty – have you gone through any withdrawals that, yeah, every day for three I, years? I, mean, well, I knew it was bad when, like, I hadn't had it for a couple of weeks and I started having dreams about eating Chipotle. What about what about on like Christmas Day? Like, are you going to Chipotle on Christmas or New Year's? Like, how are you getting your fix? Those, those days, I would take. I, I mean, pretty much every day for three years, I ate Chipotle. You get your bowl, and you get year. you get two bowls on Christmas Eve, put it in the fridge, and then yeah. eat it for breakfast. <laughs> and Christmas Something like that. But yeah, back to the the question about the routine. Mondays, I'd wake up. I start doing yoga in the morning, so I'd do my yoga, my mobility circuit thing for my hips because pitching is a lot of hip mobility if you can maximize that then um, a lot of a lot of good things come from that so I'll do that for like an hour every morning eat breakfast go hit my workout or I'll go throw workout after I threw um, come home eat and then just pretty much hang out the rest of the day with we had a good group of guys so I mean you were down there um, my roommates were all there a bunch of the lacrosse girls were there. Uh, so, I mean, it was just a, a group of cl- my closest friends that whole time. So it was actually, it was an enjoyable experience for me, um, all things considered. And around the world basketball, which you are still the worldwide reigning champ of around I, the world basketball. Yeah, I know that I said we'd get home and chill for the rest of the day, but I'd actually throw up thousands of mini basketball shots. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got really, really good at mini basketball around the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. In terms of uh, in terms of draft day, taken in the second round by the Rays by Eric Neander, who went from an intern with the Rays in 2007 to executive of the year in 2019, and he's a Hokie as well. So taken by a uh, by a Hokie, um, just walk us through those emotions and and uh, any conversations that you had through with um, with Eric Neander. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, he texted me before the draft cause he came and spoke to our team. He's close mm-hmm. with our coaches at school. So he just said, like, he just texted me wishing me good luck. And I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for a better situation there too. The Rays are, um, they're known for developing pitchers and they're known for getting the most out of a guy's potential. So, um, I'm super excited to be there. I actually, when it happened, I wasn't sure how it worked. Like if they would call you and then you would get picked 
or if like you would get picked and they would call you. So I was sort of like half looking at my phone because um, my advisor agent texted me and said like, they're going to take you here, but like expect a call soon, but he didn't say when. So they didn't call me and they were announcing the pick. And I was like, Oh, like it's, I'm not getting picked here. Like, dang it. And, uh, but uh, it turned out that it worked and they call you after. So in case anyone was wondering, they call you after the pick, not before. I wish they could have got the school right. They get, they went with the Virginia tech university on the, uh, on the announcement, which was a little bit disappointing, but nonetheless, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So Ian, your life changes on a dime. You get picked by the Tampa Bay Rays and you know, all of a sudden you are part of their organization. And, you know, what are you kind of looking to improve the most as you join the Rays organization at this point? And how are you kind of like being onboarded into this, uh, into this franchise? Um, well, so I haven't heard anything yet other than I fly down Thursday for a physical uh, and to officially sign the contract. So um, maybe I'll hear something then uh but uh, the whole baseball world kind of is in limbo now so mm. everyone's waiting on where to go uh, my guess would be that i'm sent to some type of extended instructional league in the fall but i mean it, it's it's impossible to know on that front um and you're still staying in that in that routine that you've had yeah so i'm back home now uh and i work out at this this place up here with, there's a lot of pro guys actually um this guy oliver drake who plays for the rays um i'm really close with him just because we work out of the same place. So I'm actually playing catch with him. I was, I'd been playing catch with him. And then uh, after I got drafted, he goes like next Monday, we're no longer playing catch as friends. Like we're playing catch as teammates. I thought that was That's cool. awesome. That's yeah, fantastic. So one thing that I've loved doing, um, and again, shout out to Packy. I've loved following him through the ranks of, uh, of the org- of the Reds organization from mm-hmm. Ohio. Got a chance to see him play in Orlando with the Tortugas. Fitz and Mike and I got to go see him play in Chattanooga uh, and then Louisville bats, hopefully in the future here. Um, but I was looking at the affiliates that you're going to have a chance to, to roll through here. You got Princeton, which I thought was New Jersey, but it is West Virginia. So Princeton and then the Hudson Valley up in New York, Bowling Green Hot Rods and Bowling Green, Kentucky. And this is where it gets exciting. Charlotte Stone Crabs, shout out to Dave and Bryce, Montgomery Biscuits in Montgomery, Alabama and the Durham Bulls. For, yeah, I hope you've seen Bull Durham. Okay, this one. Is <laughs> one of the best, one of the best baseball movies of all time. Excited to cross that off of my list. That's going to be fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, a really exciting uh, opportunity and, and ladder here for you to climb. And uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm I'm excited to just get going. I miss playing. Yeah, we miss watching. <laughs> so does everyone, I think. So looking back at your time at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. I know you kind of touched on it earlier um, with your pitching coach, but who were some of the most influential members of the team or members of the staff that helped you become the pitcher and now the professional that you are today? Um, yeah, so uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to pinpoint because I think I'm a big believer in that everyone you meet impacts your life in some way and that uh, like you can't really discredit that. So, of course, all your teammates, um, they go through it with you. You got to give you got to give them all like – everyone wants to see each other succeed. And um, it's just, it's cool when like Carson Taylor got drafted, like you're so excited for those guys. Um, So, I mean, all your teammates pushing you to get better every day, um, like motivating you when you don't want to be motivated, uh, picking you up when you have a bad day. Um, Those, those are the things that 
that get you to where where you want to be. And obviously the coaches, Coach Chef, Coach Fecto, Coach Elvin Hansen, and Kyle Sarazen, and also the bullpen assistant Hayden Heflin. Um, those guys, I mean, they they come to the field every single day trying to get you guys better. And then um, you can't you can't mention any word of uh, the team's success without the strength coaches too, like Coach Neal. Um, in the strength training department, um, me and him, I, I talk to him every day, like still, uh, since this thing has awesome. gone over and Kyle Staggers to our trainer. We talked every single, like I actually talked to him every single day, just about anything. Um, I would go hang out with those two all the time, talk about new exercises to do new plans, all different stuff like that. I mean, you just build so many relationships because you're, you spend so much time with all those guys that, um, they build you up and you guys feed off each other and, it's, it's really just so much fun to be a part of that team atmosphere. So that's awesome. And Ian, we're going to move into a segment we call rapid fire, kind of like the lightning round and it's presented by Sharky's Blacksburg. So you are going to answer with, you know, the first thing that comes to your mind when we ask you these questions, but first of all, Sharky's where good friends go. It's on main street. You know, we love Sharky's go in there and support local business at this point because Local businesses in Blacksburg, they're starting to open up. So get on down to Sharky's before you go anywhere else. So, Mr. Sharky's, Ian, what is your favorite Sharky's wing flavor? Um, the spicy Parmesan one. I don't know exactly what it's called. Spicy Parm. Spicy Parm. Favorite memory in Blacksburg? Favorite memory. Ooh, that's tough. The Clemson weekend my freshman year was really, really fun. Fantastic. Um. And then I almost threw a no-hitter against North Carolina, eight and two-thirds. Infield single broke it up. That was, that was probably my favorite baseball memory at Virginia Tech. Favorite Red Sox player of all time? Pedro. I got Pedro. to – so my high school, my senior year, won the state championship, and we got recognized at like a local – it's called the TNG as a newspaper. We got recognized at that event, and Pedro was the speaker. I got to give Pedro a hug, and it was so freaking cool. There you go. He smells amazing go. in case, like, if you're ever wondering, the dude smells what? fantastic. Like, not in a what weird does, way. What does Pedro <laughs> Martinez smell like? Like a really nice soap. I don't know how to describe it. The dude smells fantastic. Wow. You know, I bet, uh, I bet Don Zimmer has a great idea of what, what Pedro smelled like on that day <laughs> back in the early 2000s. <laughs> not, look, that is, Don had it coming. Look, you can't have both sides of it. If somebody's he, if he started the action, Pedro ended the action. That's my opinion on that. So, favorite Boston movie? I'm interested. I'm interested to see what direction you go in here. There are a bunch of good ones. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite? Goodwill Hunting. Good. Okay. What's number two? Give us just give number us your two. top three. The Town. Okay. Fantastic. Um, third one. I'm blanking. Uh. Can I do a documentary? Of course. Yeah. The 30 for 30 on the Red Sox. 30 for 30 is great. Could have gone Departed, but the 30 for 30 for the Red Sox is a great pick. Shout out Kevin, to Kevin Simmons. Kevin Millar. Don't let, don't let us win tonight. Don't let the, us win tonight. That was sick. The Departed's a little too, like, everyone starts dying at the end. I'm not a big fan of that. You're not a fan of the dying. Well, everyone yeah. dies at the I end like, of uh, the see, town. That's, I like the town. It was very Shawshank Redemption ending. Okay. All right. Shawshank I was a fan of that. So you're a big movie guy, it sounds like. Not really. I hadn't. I didn't watch the Shawshank Redemption until this spring during the quarantine, and I had watched okay. the town before that, and I was like, "Wait, like these kind of end similar." <laughs> I, I so 
Sons of uh, Admittance here. I haven't seen Shawshank Redemption yet. That is like yeah, one of my big lists. That's something that I, 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 felt, that. I almost felt guilty because I hadn't watched it until this spring. Same thing. I feel guilty. I haven't seen it yet. I got to knock that off. What about Rituals? So I was watching the other day. Again, huge Boston sports fan. I was watching Kevin Garnett, how he gets ready to, put, gets ready to play a game. Jorge Posada used to pee on his hands, as weird as that is. What, is. what is one of your pregame or uh, game day routines, if you have any? Um, are you looking for weird superstition things, or are you looking for routines? Cause, Honestly, both, really. All right, well, like my game day routine, like it's, a, it's like a freaking science. I do the same warm-up exercises. I go out to the same uh, throwing distance. I throw the same order of pitches in my pregame bullpen. Um, I do the same thing like before every pitch. Like I'll look down at my feet, look up to the catcher, and then step on the mound. Like I'll do that before every single pitch. Um, just because the more you do something like that, the more comfortable you are with it. So even in the biggest type of pressure situation, um, like you're, you're good to go with that type of thing. But um, weird superstitions, I don't touch the foul line. I just I – Oh, okay. I feel like that's pretty standard. Yeah, that's just like a normal one. But um, I wear a chain that my grandpa uh, – that used to be my grandpa's too, so I guess that's a superstition. Okay. LeBron or Jordan? We did watch the, in my opinion, the best night of the Jordan documentary. Oh, my God. Uh, un- un- you finished it, right? Oh, my God. Unbelievable beginning to end. So I'm assuming you're a Jordan guy. Yeah, Jordan, for sure. The okay. dude is so pissed off that he didn't get a chance to win a seventh championship 20 years later. Look, Ian, I don't know what, what are we talking about here. The kids today, they have their favorites. It is what it is. I'm glad that you're on the, uh, on the right side of this argument. <laughs> Clark Rowland is going to love this question. When I wrote this question, I immediately thought of Clark. And I got to say, VT Baseball has some fantastic threads. They have some fantastic hats. What is your favorite VT Baseball jersey combo and your favorite VT Baseball hat? Okay, so the, my favorite hat is different than my favorite jersey combo. My okay. favorite hat is the Hokie Bird hat. So it's orange brim, Hokie Bird hat. Um, it's got maroon and white on the top. That's my favorite um hat. my favorite jersey is the pinstripe ones so it's pinstripe the, jerseys yeah so it's like like the, the sleeveless but you wear the maroon underneath that's my favorite jersey i wish we had a mar- like a plain maroon hat to go with that because we wear uh we wear the one with um we wear maroon and orange on the top of the hat and there's no orange mm-hmm. in, the, in that jersey so if we had a maroon hat i think it'd be a perfect jersey combo i love i love the ones that we did similar to the cardinals where the hokey is standing on the bat the maroon yeah. ones those are great and I love – I wish the football team did this, the T, the VT, TVVT logo where the yeah, VT that's is – everyone loves that logo. Are you, not, are you not in on that logo? No, I, I like it. We just – like we don't use it for anything. Uh, you guys retire. You don't use it anymore. I didn't know that. That's a huge bummer. We have I, it that, um, for – there are practice hats this year. Okay. Yeah, I love that logo. I don't know why we don't use it yeah, more often. So as we wrap up here, we got letters from the lunch pail submitted from – fans and former players around uh around hokey land and we're going to start off with john larock uh fan favorite here oh two two outs what are we throwing to end the inning change up change up Unless, so, uh, if it's a lefty i might go fastball up but change okay up. it's already for sure center city hokey has a couple pitcher you model your game after from growing up and where did the right side of the rubber setup come from um I just always thrown from the right side of the rubber ever since I was like eight. 
I, there's really no rhyme or reason behind that. That's just like what I've always done and no one's ever really bothered to change it or tell me not to. Um, pitcher I model my game after. I feel like I'm pretty unique in what I do, so I don't really model it after anybody, but uh, from like a mental standpoint, Max Scherzer, I try to like from a like I try to be that competitive out there. Best hitter that you've faced. So my freshman year at Georgia Tech, we faced this kid named Joey Bart. I, it, I guess it was an insult to call him a kid. That dude is a he's a he's a grown man, <laughs> um, and he hit like a grown man. That guy was the best hitter I faced in my entire lifetime. Paint the outside corner or run it in on the hands of the hitter. Uh. I don't know. I guess that depends. Um, I mean, if I'm getting a strikeout looking, those are always fun. Uh, I, I like strikeouts. So if I'm running it on his hands and he's making contact with it for a jam shot, I don't really want that. I'd rather strike him out. Sons of strikeouts. Catch someone swinging late with a heater or buckle their knees with a breaking ball. Jeez, these are fun questions. Center um, city. I, I think they're both – they're both unique. I mean, if you throw a off-speed pitch and you get the dude to fall down, that's like, that's like the pinnacle of striking somebody out. But if it's like the eighth inning and there's a couple runners on and you strike a dude out with a fastball, like that, get, that gets your blood flowing. Oh, yeah. My, I submitted this one late. What is your walk us through your go-to Chipotle bowl order? Your three-year oh. Mr. Reliable. What do you get in a Chipotle? Gotcha. So I did the Super Green Salad. Um. Both beans, brown rice. Both beans. Yeah. Game changer if you haven't done it. Okay. If you like beans. And it gets a little extra cows in there. Uh, I go double chicken. and You have to ask for it, like, can I have chicken? And then can you make that a can double? I- because they'll jip you. Mm-hmm. And, okay. if they still, and if they still jip you, then you go triple and you just you wear it and you have a, you have a tough time. <laughs> triple, triple chicken, double beans. Wow. <laughs> every, every single day, triple chicken. Yeah. No, the people the people started to get to know me at the at the Chipotle down there. And they didn't jip you? There was no there was no joking around. They knew when you came in, like you want did no, they, they still, typically do a good job? It it's hit or miss. Like it depends on who's working. Some people they they get it and they load you up and it's like that's a double. Like if they're if the chicken doesn't cover the whole bowl, it's not a double. That's my philosophy on that. Um and then I just go half a scoop of corn, guac lettuce okay and do you get the do you get the salad dressing the salad dressing is a hot hot commodity i don't get the salad dressing will you be looking for a lifetime bryce harper has the lifetime chipotle membership if offered a lifetime chipotle membership would you go back to eating chipotle the that yeah i I, (laughs) would be hard to pass up i got you and then mr DiGiorno luke haransky wants to know where is the first place that you're going to take him to dinner and why uh, i don't i don't think that luke would want me to take him to dinner i think he'd want him to buy like six to eight DiGiorno pizzas throw them in the oven and see if we could eat them all in one sitting so <laughs> i think he's afraid of that nothing wrong with a nice frozen pizza uh, <laughs> Andrew Webb, three weeks of the Hokie Challenge or the program that the Navy SEALs do for a full week? The program the Navy SEALs do? Um, I didn't that. Yeah, I, I don't want to do that ever. <laughs> um, so the Hokie Challenge, for anyone who doesn't know, is um, this, the week before 
you're no longer allowed to have team events and it's going into finals week. We would wake up early and go to a different like strenuous event every day. And um, some of them are like, they're pretty challenging, but I, I can't imagine that they're as hard as Navy SEAL training by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm going to go ahead and agree with you there. I'm going, I'm going three weeks of the Hogan challenge. <laughs> Chris Monaco, the guy, what makes Ian smile the most? The sight of a Sharky's double or the sight of a Sharky's double? <laughs> I guess there's only one answer to that question then. <laughs> Son of Kyle. Yeah. Sons of Kyle. Liam O'Brien, throw one no-hitter your rookie season or hit a homer at your first at-bat? I got to go no-hitter. A home run would be cool, but it's a, a, no-brainer. No-hit, a no-hitter wins a game. <laughs> a no-hitter, yeah. It's a... Team guy. Badass Bill, what is your favorite pitch to throw in a full count? I'm going to guess changeup. Got it. I'm going to guess changeup. Kit Sheets, best lobster roll on the Cape. I, I don't know if I can answer. I'm not the best at remembering the names of places that I eat. And I, Wow. My family, our family was the biggest Cape family, so – I, we'll just go with Chipotle as your favorite yeah, lobster roll. They got lobster there Chipotle. Wasn't, there wasn't a Chipotle down the cave. I had to drive uh, that half hour. <laughs> and you did make the drive. Many times. It's dedication. Ian, thank you so much for your time this, uh, this week, uh, this Wednesday, June 17th. Really appreciate you joining us. We're wishing you nothing but the best. Super excited for your future. Do you have anybody that you would like to shout out? Anybody? Where can we follow you? Just here's your time to plug whatever you got going on. Uh, I don't really have any plugs. I just shout out you guys. Shout out the RSA clan for all the questions. <laughs> um, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Dude, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it and looking forward to seeing your career take off. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Stuff, Ian. That's it, guys. Let's get out of here. That cold drink's waiting on us. Let's go. Thanks, y'all. Cry you some song.